All right, y'all. Y'all know what time it is. This is Never Out of Bounce. You are tuned in right now. This is your host, El Jamal. And we have a few things to discuss tonight, so we're going to get right into it with the world on the street. Did y'all know that China holds annual secret meetings with high-ranking foreign officials? Well, now you do. Like I said, the meetings are held every year, and they are held at a resort called Badai, which is two hours east of Beijing. This year, Chinese Premier, which is their head of state, Li Qijang, met up with United Nations General Assembly President Maria Fernanda. Today, they pretty much talked about free trade and their situation with Trump. Now, this is coming off the heels of a foreign official from Iran basically complaining to the world that some of the restrictions or the sanctions that the U.S. has recently put on them have violated some U.N. rules. And I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be surprised if China was doing that today. I just had that feeling. But anyways, both uh, both major heads of state for China, the premier, like I said, Li Qijang, uh, and also their president, Xi Jinping, were there today. And they have not been seen or quoted by any Chinese media since August the 1st. This is all part of what they do. Uh, they're usually seen on TV all the time. They're usually talking to the media 24-7. They're always omnipresent. But during this process, during these meetings, it's a, I guess it's more like a, a, a resort. It's almost like a Bohemian Grove type of thing. There's probably some business being talked there, but it's not, nobody's really allowed there and they're not really talking about it too much themselves. Now the date, like I said, the date of the event is never revealed and the only com- communication is done via state radio. So you already know what's going to be said. You already know what's going to be controlled. You know, and like I said, state radio pretty much reported that they talked about free trade and, you know, Trump. Now, this was not only just this was a pretty much a meeting of all Chinese, you know, government officials all pretty much they were all there including vice premier Hu Chinhua and also the member also a top uh, communist party member Chen Zi so it it looked like it was a full on I don't know if it was a retreat they don't necessarily say it as a resort like they're taking a break from anything it just looks like they're having these meetings far away from everybody else and they don't want to be bothered by the hustle of I guess you know massive media mass media so You know, they're having those meetings. I don't know what's going to come from it. If anything, if I find out anything, you guys will find out here, too. All right. We also got some uh, U.S. news to talk about. We had some uh, midterm elections today. Four states had primaries today, including Kansas, Michigan, Missouri and Washington State. Eleven females have been nominated or have made the uh, big ticket for the governor nominations and also 102 Women have been nominated for House of Representative seats. This is up from 167 in 2016. And guess what? These are both records. So congratulations. I'll be the first to say it. I know a lot of conservative men or men in general might not have a whole lot to say about this, but I'll be the first to say it. Shots out to Gretchen Whitmer and Laura Kelly, just two of the names that have made government, uh, sorry, uh, gubernatorial ballots for this year. That's, I mean, this is amazing. I think this is, this shows progress. Two, three years, well, four or five years ago, we had our first black president. Now we're seeing a trend of female politicians. I don't have a problem with it. I know some people are feeling like, you know, inadequate, but that's their problem. I feel 
that if they can make it, I can make it. Why the fuck not? Anyways, all the Democratic nominations, uh, all the Democratic nominees in Michigan happen to be women. And it's almost the same trend in Washington State as well. One of the more notable uh, nominees from out there is Rashida Tlaib, who could also be the first, who could be the first, not only the first Muslim, but also the first Palestinian American to be elected to public office. So a lot of things are changing. Also, a big time um race that I want to talk about was John James in Michigan. He happened to win a Senate spot as a Republican in Michigan, and he's a brother. So times are changing, y'all. This is not the 1950s. This is not, you know, whatever. Things have changed. Get with the times, people. I mean, men did a lot of complaining in the last couple of years. Females are going to do this. Liberals are going to do that. I don't see no, no male movement but I see a lot of females getting elected. Somebody's talking a lot of shit. Are we supposed to wait on Trump? He's not my representative as a man. He's getting played. We see what the North Koreans were doing. Forget that guy. Shoot, I'm about to look up to Acasio and them. What the hell is this? Dude's just been, we can we been complaining the last year, especially the, the cis white male. That's what the liberals will call them. They've been doing a whole lot of complaining. And I just I just observe. I'm not I don't I don't claim any of these little divisions. I watch. Deserve. Now, another one of the big, uh, actually, one of the big races we want to talk about, though, is Troy Balderson and Danny O'Connor in in Ohio. Now, Troy uh, Balderson is the Republican candidate and Danny O'Connor is the Democratic candidate. And this is for the uh, governor race out there. And this is really important because Ohio State has been a notorious battleground and I, I wouldn't say a swing state, but it's important. It's a very important strategic state in terms of, you know, delegate votes and stuff like that. So if, you know, and, you know, having a Democratic or Republican governor could switch that up or having a Democratic control or Republican control in the state Senate could switch that up. And, you know, who knows what could happen next election in terms of presidential election as well. That could play a big factor in that as well it looks like uh balderson has a slight lead but they still haven't counted absentee ballots or provisional ballots yet and um there is a possibility that there could be a recount why is this these elections so important well i'll tell you why all 435 seats in the house of representatives are up for grabs 35 seats in the Senate are up for grabs. These are the lawmakers. If you learned, ever learned, and paid attention in class, you will realize that this is legislation branch. These are the, this is the branch of our government that makes the laws. Just saying. Do you want somebody making laws that doesn't really work for you? Well, that's your choice. Anyways, the Democrats only need 23 seats to gain back a majority in the House, but need two seats to gain back uh to gain back control of the Senate, it's more than likely that they get the twenty seats, uh, twenty three seats back in the in the House representatives, House representatives, excuse me, as opposed to them just getting them those two seats in the Senate. Why? I don't know. Those races are a little bit more um, more out of our more out of Democratic favor. So, but my my biggest thing though is if this all goes well for the Democrats, what are they going to do with that majority? The last time we had a majority in the in the Congress, we fell apart. Well, I won't say we because I'm slowly. I'm not going to say I'm not Democrat no more, but I'm 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 paying attention, I'm paying attention to what they do. And if they're going to have this blue wave that they've been talking about, they better do something with it because 
they will effectively mess up all their chances for 2020 if they don't make this work. They pretty much, if they don't make this blue wave crap work, you can pretty much bet that Trump is going to get a second nomination and a second run. I can I can say that right now. And it won't be pretty. It won't be pretty. All right, y'all. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we got some football news to talk about. Just one quick story. And I got a division preview for you guys. And then we got to get into some uh, college football as well. So we'll be right back, y'all. So we are back. We got some NFL news here. And the biggest news that I wanted to talk about is Khalil Mack. Now, there's a possibility because he hasn't, you know, resigned with the Raiders yet. And it doesn't it looks like he's holding out. There's a possibility of being him being traded. One of those teams could be the Jets. Like I said, he's currently holding out on all contract negotiations, but he has decided to pick up his fifth-year rookie option to play this season. Now, at the end of this, at the end of this season, he's liable. To, well, he's definitely going to be a free agent, and if he's not signed, there's a chance he walks away. We walk away, and we get well. He walks away, and we get nothing for it. Um. But he definitely can hit the open market next year. The Jets have ranked 28th. The Jets ranked 28th in sacks last year. Khalil Mack had 10 of them. I know they want him. There's a few teams that can use his services. You know, it's it's a it's a rough game. And it's hard because, you know, you become a fan. And you're a fan, and you know, you, you like certain players, of course, and it just sucks, but that's the way it is. I mean, if he's not happy with his pay, he's not happy with his pay. And uh, there's a good possibility that the Raiders lose one of our best defensive players in the past few years, and it sucks. It definitely sucks. Um, but I figured I'd talk about it tonight because I'm previewing the AFC West tonight anyway. So, with that being said, uh, let's get right to it. Now, the AFC West. Of course, um, they, they're they a wild card because some years it's looking like it's one of the best divisions in football. Other years, like this upcoming year, hmm, I'm not too sure. But let's talk about last year a little bit. Last season, Kansas, Kansas City finished on top of the division. They finished with a 10-6 record, yet they lost to Tennessee in the wild card game. That's what they do. They lose in the wild card game, so it doesn't matter. Whether or not they win the division. Everybody, every, every Chiefs fan wants to talk shit every time they didn't beat us. Ooh, we beat y'all. We beat. And y'all don't win in the playoffs, so don't nobody care. Anyways, yeah, I sound bitter. I hope I do. I hope I sound like a hater. That's what a fan. I'm a, I'm a fan of the Raiders. So I don't care about the Chiefs. I'm going to keep saying it. I don't care about y'all. Anyways, number two in the division, you got San Diego. Oh, not San Diego no more. Duh. Freaking Los Angeles. That was a dumb move. I'm st- I still think it's a dumb move. Two, three years later. Anyways, they finished nine and seven. Didn't make the playoffs again for the thousandth year. Care about y'all finishing nine and seven and beating us. Y'all rinky D state. I don't give a damn. I'm still gonna talk shit. Y'all didn't go to the playoffs again. Again. Y'all never gonna go. I'm gonna keep saying y'all ain't never gonna be nothing. Anyway. Yeah, my Oakland Raiders finished six and ten. So, shit, we had a we had a tough time last year. 
Jack Del Rio obviously isn't the head coach. Anyway, and then bringing up the rear, you had them weak-ass Denver ponies. Yeah, I'm going to say ponies. I said it. Y'all think y'all cool because y'all jack chains and y'all still lose the game. So we don't care about y'all either. Y'all thought y'all was cool. and Oh, yeah. We jack chains and lose and don't go to the playoffs. You can tell all the teams that I don't like are in the division. But that's, you know, this is the most, hey, this is the most heated division. I'll say that. But anyways, uh, let's talk about some off-season moves. Let's talk uh, – Let's talk about the Denver Broncos first. Now, during the offseason, they added Case Keenum. They added defensive tackle Clinton McDonald, uh, cornerback Traymond Brock, and punter Marquette King. They, But, however, they lost C.J. Anderson and the cube to lead. And in terms of rookies, they brought in a pretty solid, well, really good a really good uh, edge rusher uh, in Bradley Chubb. Now, the question is, can, you know, can he carry over in the program? That's always the question about the big – College stars. They also got uh, Cortland Sutter, Sutton, excuse me, solid wide receiver out of uh, SMU, and then they also got Royce Freeman. I would say a dependable, hard-working back, definitely from the University of Oregon. So there you go with that. They added a, few, I mean, Case Keenum, eh, whatever. I, I guess they had to do what they had to do. Uh, I'm, I'm looking. I'm not impressed, Denver. I'll give you Bradley Chubb, but. Still not super impressed. Moving on to the Chiefs. Uh, during the offseason, they added up Sammy Watkins, linebacker Anthony Hitchens, David Amerson, formerly of the Raiders. And he also had another Kendall cornerback, uh, excuse me, Kendall Fuller. Mm, they lost Alex Smith, though. And they also lost Tamba Ali, as well as Marcus Peters. So there you go with that. They did add rookies. Uh, defensive end Breland Speak was pretty solid. Defensive tackle. Um... And then you also got linebacker Darian O'Neill and, uh, I'm sorry, safety Armani Watts. So there you go with that. And then we got the, the Chargers here, who I think made probably, in terms of their team, they probably made some of the best pickups. Now they added Mike Pouncey, a solid center who definitely will keep, will help keep, you know, their quarterback, their old, old man Rivers. Keep old man River setting it up, hopefully. Then they added a solid tight end, Virgil Green. Uh, he didn't have the, the most solid season last year, but he's in a situation now with Hunter Henry being gone, and they let go of uh, your boy Antonio Gates. So he's probably, outside of the receivers, he's going to be the, the most notable receivers, the one or two receivers. He's going to be in that receiving core. He's going to be have to be a factor, but I think he's somebody that could step up and do it. So I'll give them I'll give them some points on that. But like I said, in terms of their losses, they lost their, their star tight end Hunter Henry. They also let go. They also got uh, let go of Mass Lawson. But I think they upgraded with Mike Pouncey. And the thing about inside linebacker, I know Mike Pouncey doesn't play the exact same position, but there's no guarantee that he stays at center. Sometimes they can move around between guard and center. But even if you know Pouncey stays at center, I think he's an upgrade from Matt Lawson. Then he also lost Jeremiah Tachu, a cool edge rusher. Again, you know, he's a solid tackler. But uh, in terms of their rookies that they added, they got uh, Derwin James, safety. They also got Uchinwa uh, Nwasao. He's a linebacker. They also got uh, defensive tackle Dustin Jones. And they also got safety Kazir White. So they pretty much added. They pretty much solidified and, and gave themselves depth along the defense, with it, which is already pretty solid, especially at linebacker. They got Joey Bosa there. So they're looking pretty solid. Now, 
off to my Raiders. During the offseason, we added Doug Martin, Jordy Nelson, uh, two receivers, actually. We added Jordy Nelson and Martavius Bryant, as well as linebacker Tahir Whitehead, two cornerbacks, Rashad Melvin and Daryl Worley. And then we also added Marcus Gilchrist. However, with that being said, we did let go of Michael Crabtree, which I'm burning about that still. We also lost Nico Archery. I'm a little bit mad about that one, too. He was a solid, solid defensive player. And I think as much as we didn't have the greatest running game, I'm sorry, the greatest uh, passing defense, we had a solid uh defense in terms of uh rush defense and he was a part of that in my opinion they also let go of tj carry but i feel that tj carry and david Emerson in the secondary but i feel like they pretty much upgraded with marcus gilchrist and rashad melvin and they also let go of sebastian janikowski janikowski excuse me and marquette king who went to the broncos now in terms of the rookies that they had they, they got signed they got a ot uh offensive tackle colton miller they also got a defensive tackle pj hall they also they got another off they got two offensive tackles this year in the draft. They got another one named Brandon Parker. And then at defensive end, they got DeAndre Andre Key, excuse me. And then at defensive tackle, they drafted Maurice Hurst. So it looks like they got a they got I would say they also got a little bit of depth. I don't think they had the greatest offseason um expenditure. I'm not buying Jordy Nelson and Martavis Bryant. It's just a question because he's a weed head. It's a pothead. And, and you know, that's against the rules in football. So I, I would have loved to keep character. I thought he was the best receiver on the team. I know athletically, I know eventually, you know, Amari Cooper was supposed to come into his own, but you know, being the fact that he didn't, we still were getting help from Michael Crabtree getting massive production. It just sucks to see him go. I will actually give Doug Martin a pass. I think we we pretty much have a solid three-head running game. Again, I think we needed somebody who has some legs. Marshawn is just getting older. I don't trust 30-plus-year-old running backs. That's me. Look at, look at AP. Look at AP. One of the best running backs next to, next to Marshawn Lynch, you know, of that draft error in just the past 10 or so years. And he's fallen off the face of the earth the last two, you know, just age gets to you. That's just to a running back. So I'll give, I think, you know, he hasn't been consistent in terms of Doug Martin. I don't think he's been the most consistent running back, but he's somebody that I could add into some depth. Now we don't know who's going to be the starter going to day one, but I definitely will tell you it's, it's good to have, I, I want as many legs as possible. If, if, if you want to go with Marshawn as your starter, I want to have many as many legs behind him as possible because I don't know how that's going to work personally. But um, in terms of my favorite for the division, I thought about it at first. I had the Raiders, but maybe I was thinking too much along the lines of a fan. So I had to be realistic. And I had to go with the, the bum-ass Chargers only for the simple fact that I think they, if any year, it, it, it has to be this year for – Rivers, hopefully he gets something, a playoff berth, something just to make his career worthwhile. Um, <laughs> he's he's been through it, and I think this year they finally have a decent. They, well, they've always had solid O lines, 
I think after the LT left, they, you know, they suffered running the ball, so they weren't able to have a consistent offense or a balanced offense. But they've definitely been able to build up their defense. They've always had great linebackers. So hopefully for them, for their sake, this is the year. I don't know about their secondary, but I will give you their pass rush. And I'm going to, I'm going to flat out give you their linebackers. They got some of the best in the, in the AFC conference. So as of today, I will go with the Chargers. Um, but my dark horse is going to definitely be the Raiders. I'm not counting Jordy Nelson out. I know he's pro ball material. Martavis Bryant, he needs to get his act together. I think Doug Martin, Brings balance and stability to the running game, makes it makes it a little bit easier for us to move the ball, provides to us some balance. And so we're not throwing the ball as much as we were last year. I think we added some good guys defensively to here. Whitehead, a great tackler who can work a tackle in space. We also got Rashad Melvin, who was a great pick at corner and i also like marcus the marcus gilchrist pickup um again we lost a few people but then again we drafted some people as well to get some death so if anybody i'll have to put put the raiders at the dark as a dark horse and if i were to go for just a sleeper somebody who you who could possibly take it who has an outside third chance i would have to go i'm gonna go with the broncos um Again, I, I, I it's hard to say, but if I were to go with a sleeper, I'd go with the Broncos only for the simple fact that I don't I don't trust Patrick Mahomes. I'm sorry, and I'll give you Pat. I'll give you the fact that y'all got Sammy Watkins, but I don't know. I'm not. I don't. I don't trust Patrick Mahomes. I don't trust Texas Tech quarterbacks in the pros. There's just schools that don't produce quarterbacks and that's one of the schools that don't do it i'll have to be amazed he's gonna have to amaze me he's got to prove me wrong but like i said as terms of a favorite i gotta i as of today i see the Chargers win the afc west i don't think it's by a long shot though i think it's relatively close i think the raiders make it close or the or possibly the broncos but definitely the raiders are in the mix they'll probably finish second when all is said and done, if they don't finish first. All right, y'all, we're going to take another break. And we come back, we got to talk about some college football. You know, we keep getting there. We're getting closer to the date. We, we have, we're going to talk about the Mountain West and the MAC, the, Mid- uh, the Mid-American Conference, excuse me. So we'll be talking a little bit about that tonight as well. So y'all stay tuned. I. Right. <laughs> All right, y'all, we are back, and we're going to talk some college football. Uh, this is my favorite time of the year. This is one of my favorite sports, so we're going to get right into it. Tonight, we're going to talk about the Mountain West Conference, and the Mountain West Conference is, a, is divided into two divisions, the Mountain and the West. Now, last year, Boise State came out on top uh, with a record of 11-3 and overall, 7-1 and in conference play. They also, also won the title, uh, the conference title, beating out Fresno State in the championship game. And number two in the Mountain Division, we got Wyoming coming in at 8-5 and overall, 5-3 and in conference play. Then you got Colorado State, 7-6 and overall, 5-3 and in conference 
conference play. And then we have Utah State six and seven, four and four. Air Force five and seven in overall play, four and seven. I'm sorry, four and four in conference play. And at the bottom we got New Mexico three and nine overall, one and seven in conference play. Uh, I talked about New Mexico's head coach a while back, Bob Davy. He's pretty much on the hot seat this year. He struggled throughout throughout his tenure in New Mexico, and many of his players are facing a lot of off-the-field issues as well. So if things don't turn around quickly, this is probably going to be his last year in New Mexico. As far as the Western Division goes, uh, Fresno State came out on top, 10-4 and overall, 7-1 in conference play. Of course, like I said before, they lost in the, cha- in the conference championship game. And number two, we got San Diego State. Uh, they finished 10-3 and overall, 6-2 and in conference play. And then at uh, three, we have UNLV, Five and seven overall, four and four in conference play. Then we have Nevada at four, three and nine in conference play, uh, three and nine in overall play. Excuse me, three and five in conference play. Then we have Hawaii and San Jose State bringing up the fifth and sixth spots. Hawaii finished three and nine overall. San Jose State finished two and eleven overall. And in conference play, they both finished one and seven. Now, in terms of significant postseason wins, Boise State will take that. They beat Oregon in the Poinsettia ball, 38 to, I believe, 20. This wasn't one of Oregon's best years, uh, but they definitely got the job done. Boise State looked looked to play pretty well in that game. Now, in terms of recruiting, we're going to talk about the top three teams in the conference, and that is Boise State, San Diego State, and Nevada. Uh, Boise, they got 25 commits. Uh, this helped them get the number of uh, 56 uh, ranking in nationwide recruiting. And this is also the highest amount of recruits so far, well, commit so far by any team in the conference. They got one four-star recruit by the name of Khalil Shakir. He's going to be a wide receiver, and he's from Marietta, California. They also got 19 three-star recruits, including Dallas Holiday, defensive tackle from Westlake Village, California. They also got a, a quarterback by the name of Dimitri Washington from Solana Beach, California. And they also got a tight end from Roswell, Georgia, Tynell Cooper. And uh, what helps a team like Boise State get over, they're a pretty small team. Uh, They play in Boise, Idaho, so somewhere off in the cuts like that. They cast a pretty wide net, and they do a pretty good job recruiting California kids. Uh, Doug Martin was a product of them. He came up uh, from uh, California school, uh, one of their better offensive linemen throughout the years for Raji Wright. He went to Berkeley High, uh, my alma mater. So they definitely know how to recruit in the California area. And that's what helps them not only in the Mountain West, but on the national level too. At number two in the conference, we got San Diego State. They finished number 78 in the nation. And they also do a good job of, of, of recruiting in home. Uh, they have 22 commits overall, and they brought in uh, 15 three-star recruits, a lot of them from their home state, including Jaleel Lackey, defensive end from San Mateo, California, uh, Kobe Smith from Gardena, and then they also brought in the hometown talent, uh, just Jr. Justice, a wide receiver. So they're looking to be they're looking to be pretty good next year as well. Now, in terms of Nevada, they brought in 21 commits. They have 12 three-star recruits, inclu- including Kevin Cabians, offensive tackle from Bellflower, California. Josiah Bradley, uh, he's a safety from Scottsdale, Arizona, and they also got a uh, running back named Toa Tawa from Lompoc, uh, California. So they. They're looking to improve next year as well. Now, in terms of key games, 
I got a couple to talk about real quick. Um, give me one second. The first big game we want to talk about is going to be in September, and it's going to be Boise State and Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is playing in a big conference. They're from the Big 12, of course. This will look very good for Boise, who's is, who's usually one of those on the teams looking on the outside in, in terms of anything, in terms of a major playoff game, a major postseason game, or uh, in the top four playoff for the national championship. They're usually one of those teams that are on the outside looking in. But they get a good chance to make a splash in the beginning of the year, September the 15th against Oklahoma State. I'm going to put Oklahoma State on upset alert. I don't know where they're at, but it's going to be a good chance to see because boys are going to come to play as they always do. Now, a couple key conference games I want to go through is going to be Boise State versus San Diego State. This is going to be November the tenth. Uh, November, the, I'm sorry, not November, but October the sixth. Excuse me. This game is important because San Diego State, as well as Fresno State, who are they're both going to play each other in a major conference game. This game is important because if there's anybody, if there's any two teams that could probably give Boise a run of their run for their money. It's going to be uh, for a San Diego State or Fresno State. Uh, Fresno State, again, they're bringing back their top running, one of their top running backs from last year, Jawan Washington. He ran for about 759 yards in a, in a reserve role. So he's looking look, looking to do some damage. They're also bringing back their quarterback from last, uh, last year as well in an offensive line that was the top of the league. And they're also bringing back at least six starters on their defense that allowed about 20 points last year. So that's going to be a key game. Um, another key game is going to be San Diego State versus Fresno State. This game is important because this is going to define pretty much the winner of the Western Division. This will pretty much determine who's going to play Boise in the championship game. This is going to be in November, November the 17th. So mark that on your calendar as well. If you're a fan of either one of these teams, uh, definitely a good game that should, that should arise from that. Now, in terms of a favorite, I'm going to still go with Boise. They're still the most consistent team. They still recruit very well. They pretty much, they win all their ball games, their postseason games. I'm going to have to go with them for now until somebody knocks them off their perch. I haven't seen San Diego or Fresno State do it. Uh, but if I'm going to go with a dark horse, I'm definitely going to go with San Diego State. Like, again, they're bringing back another good – they're bringing back a good rusher, a good defense. Um, but one sleeper that I might go with, I might go with Fresno. Fresno could definitely uh, turn some heads. Uh, Fresno State improved their record uh, by nine wins last year. Uh, this is going to be Jeff Tedford's second year. And if anybody knows about anything about Cal football, any local football heads, uh, you know Jeff Tedford's name goes back to the early, two, early 2000s. Now, one of the big knocks on him was that he couldn't beat one of their big rivals, USC, consistently. But he definitely won them a lot of Pac-12 ga- uh, Pac games or Pac-10. It would be the Pac-10 at that time. Uh, won a lot of Pac-10 games. He also won a, a couple Pac-10 titles as well as some ball games as well their defense ranked second last uh, second last year in the conference and they only allowed 17.9 points so under 20 they're going to be breaking in a new defensive coordinator though Burt Watts and they're going to have four new stars on the defensive line but like I said if anybody should give Boise the run for their money it's going to be one of them too uh, but definitely I have Boise as the favorite uh, Boise is going to be returning 15 stars and that's always good because these are people who know how to play know the system and who can play tomorrow Tomorrow, today, however you want to play them, they're ready. Uh, they're going to be bringing back their quarterback, 
Brett Ripien, and also their running back, Alexander Madison, who ran for over a 1,000 yards last year. They lost their top receiver, but they also, the ones who they have coming to replace them should, should not throw them off too much. It should still pre, be pretty good in that department. And their defense held uh, opponents to 22, uh, almost 23 points last year, which is still solid, which was on which was near the top of their conference. And again, uh, their schedule helps them out because they're going to be playing San Diego State and Fresno State, the two things. Two teams that could possibly, like I said, give them a give them a run for their money or an upset. They're gonna be playing both these teams on the road, so you'll see a good example of home field advantage. Let's see if Boise State has anything, uh, anything near that. All right, y'all, we're gonna take one last quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna talk some baseball. We're just gonna go over some scores, and we're gonna go over the standings. We're getting near the end of that season, so we wanna make sure everybody knows what's going on there. So we'll be right back, y'all. All right, y'all, we're going to finish it up for tonight. We got some MLB scores to go through. We also going to go through the standings as well. So let's get right to it. The Nats beat the Braves tonight 6-3. The Twins lost to the Indians 5-4. The Padres beat the Brewers 8-4. The Rangers beat uh, Rangers lose to the Yankees 3-7. Uh, the Red Sox lose to the Blue Jays 5-8. That's a... That's a that's an upset right there. The Orioles beat the Rays 4-5. The Mariners beat the Astros 8-6. This AL West is getting crazy. Uh, the Rockies beat the Dodgers 8-5. And the Giants lose to the Pirates 5-10. Now, let's go through the standings real quick. Uh, of course, you know how I like to do it. Win, losses, uh, games back for those a second and beyond. And then we're going to also talk about the last 10 as well, the last 10 games that each team has played, uh, just in terms of their record. So let's get right into it. Uh, let's start with the AL East, the American League East. Uh, they're, led, they're led right now by Boston, the Red Sox. They're sitting at 81-35. and 35. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10. It looks to me that they're gonna they're gonna pretty much take that that pennant. I don't see the Yankees can catch up. They're seventy two and forty two right now, eight games back. They're five and five in their last ten. They can go up, they can go down. They're about even. They'll stay within that eight game range. They'll probably go down to at least five games, maybe get it down to at least four, something like that. But the Red Sox, they're playing lights out baseball when it counts. So I don't know. I'm gonna I'm still gonna go with the Red Sox to win this division here. It's over. Uh we also have the Red Sox, the Blue Jays, and the Orioles bringing up a third, fourth, and fifth spots. You know, the Rays are 58 and 57. They're out. They're 22 games back, 52 and 50, 62 for the Rays. And we know that the Orioles, they're 35 and 80. They're out. You know, let's just exclude them now. Uh, off to the AL Central, we got the Indians 64 and 50, 7 and 3 in their last 10. Uh, up in second, we got the Twins 53 and 61, 11 games back. I'm pretty much going to call it for the Indians now, uh, barring some some massive upsets or whatever, which I don't see happening. Uh, Indians got it. Tigers, White Sox, and Royals round it all up. Uh, three, four, and five. Tigers going 47 and 68 at the moment. White Sox are at 47 and 73. Royals are at 35 and 79. There you go. Uh, off to the Western, uh, off to the Western division. Uh, the AL West. 
Ooh, my, my, my. This was a mighty, mighty different division in the beginning of the season. But look how the mighty have fallen. The Astros are still number one in the division, though. They're 73 and 43, 6-4 and four in their last 10. But they need to be looking out. The A's are right on that ass. 68 and 47, four and a half games back, 73 in their last 10. Y'all need to look out for the A's. They just have a tendency to just do this. They'll get on runs. They'll be hot. I, Man, um, if they don't get, if they don't get, if they don't get, if they don't win the division, uh, they might, they might just blow out the Yankees. They're only a couple games behind the Yankees right now. Uh, that'll be four, about four games behind the Yankees right now. Anything could happen. Uh, man, I don't know. In terms of that second wild card spot, I don't know. Actually, it may even look like. Um, just looking at it right now, no, uh, the A's would have that second wild card spot. Excuse me, I'll take that back. It's gonna be the Yankees and the A's so far for the, the for the wild card. Well, A's already got the second spot. Orioles are Orioles are at sixty six and fifty seven and a half games back, three and seven in their last ten. They've been inconsistent a lot lately. That hasn't been a good sign. I'm not too sure what to make of them at this point. I really want to just give the A's the second wild card spot just to just to say my team is in it. I don't want to be too much of a homer, so I got to see how it plays out. Banners have been slipping, though, so we'll see. Uh, the Angels and the Rangers rounded out. Uh, the AL West, 58 and 58 for the Angels. They're at 500, 51 and, 50, uh, 51 and 66 for the Rangers. We might as well put a, a fork in those dudes. They're, they're done. Let's just move on. Off to the uh, NL, the National League. And we're going to start with the National League East. And uh, the Phillies are on top, 64 and 50, 64 in their last 10. They look to be pretty consistent. However, uh, the top, the next two, the next two teams, they're right up on their heels. Uh, we have the Braves at 62 and 50. They're about one game back, 73 in the last 10. The Nats are at 59 and 56. They're five and a half games back, but they're 73 in their last 10. So they can go up. They can keep going up and keep improving. That's that's what I like to take away from uh, positive last 10 game records. Uh, we have uh, the Mets coming in at fourth, uh, 47 and 65, and at fifth we have the Marlins 47 and 69. Um, in terms of the NL Central, we got the Cubs on top 66 and 48, 6 and 4 in the last 10. I can mm, it's it's close. It's close. I don't want to I don't want to say too much, but uh the Brewers are right behind them 66 and 52, two games back, 5 and 5 in their last 10. Again, even in the last 10 columns, 5 and 5 is close to 6 and 4. Of course, there's they're a little bit stagnant, but again, they're right up on the Cubs. So uh, give them a give them a couple strings, uh, at least five, ten games in a row, or a couple weeks of them getting at least eight wins, something like that. They'll be all right. They might be able to shock somebody. They definitely are looking like they're in line for a wild card spot, though. So it looks like they definitely were able to get that one of those at, at the end at the season ended today. They'll have that. Uh, they'll have a wild card spot at least. Uh, the Cardinals coming are coming in at third, sixty and fifty five, six and five. Uh, I'm sorry, six and a half games back, seven and three in their last ten. I don't want to stick and fork in them per se, or the Pirates who are sixty and fifty six. Uh, that would put them at seven games back. They're five and five in the last ten. But uh, the, the way the Blue Brewers are playing and the Cubs are playing, again, it looks like either one of those teams are going to win, and the loser, like I said, is going to get that wild card spot. Um, I don't see them. I don't see the Cards or the Pirates just just you know beating 
uh, is finishing the season better than those two. Uh, all right, and we had the the, the I'm sorry the Reds uh, finish it out at the at the last spot, that fifth place in the central uh, fifth place in the central division at 50 and 65. Now off to the NL West, we got the Dodgers on top. I'm pretty much going to call it a tie with the Diamondbacks. Uh, they had the same record, 64 and 52. Uh, the Diamondbacks are six and four in their last ten. The Dodgers are six, are five and five. Again, this is another. This is one of those questioning. Uh, this is one of those question marks in terms of who I can I can see as a winner. Uh, today, the Dodgers are on top, but tomorrow could be the Diamondbacks. And you also have the Rockies at sixty and fifty-five. They're three and a half games back. They've gone three and seven in the last ten. I don't know if they make it, but um, they're 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 in the conversation. <laughs> they're definitely in the conversation. And then we got the Giants at 57 and 59. They're seven games back, five and five. Last week I was I was trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. Benefit of the doubt, excuse me. I thought they could possibly do it, but now I'm like, nah. I don't know. It's looking too ugly. And to wrap the NL, the NL West up, we have the Padres sitting there. Uh, their record is about 46. Uh, 46 and 60, um, 46 and 70, excuse me. So, uh, they're looking like they're out of it. Don't worry about them. Put a fork in them too. Yeah. So we're, we're pretty much, uh, in terms of the division winners looking like I'm going to go with the Red Sox, the Indians. Um, I will go with the Astros in terms of the AL and in terms of the NL, I will go with the Phillies, the Cubs, and if if it's a season ended today, I will go with the Dodgers. So that would leave uh, the wild card spots, at least in my opinion. I'm going to be going with the A's. And, yeah, the A's and the Yankees. If this is, like I said, it's a season where they end today. And um, I'll say... I'll say the Brewers and the Dodgers. Uh, you never know, uh, but I definitely like the Dodgers. Hopefully, they'll they'll be able to. Well, because they have to worry about the Phillies too. So if I were the Dodgers, I'd be definitely trying to win my division because I don't want to have to worry about the the Phillies or the or the Braves. So uh, yeah. With that being said, we're gonna wrap everything up for tonight. Uh, when we come back, we got a couple stories to talk about. And I have a surprise movie review for you guys. So I'll be working on that. So when we return, be prepared. And we also got some more football previews as well. We're going to be talking about the NFC North. And then we're going to also be talking about the MAC Conference for College Football, uh, a.k.a. the Mid-American Conference. Excuse me. So uh, y'all stay tuned for that. And we will be back soon. Peace out.